and the revolution starting inside An instrumental part of Agora Worldwide Agora Worldwide, Agora Worldwide Counter economics, agorist strip Black market click, move a quick flip Can't regulate this, agorist strip Black market click, move a quick flip Can't regulate this, agorist Gore's next podcast. I'm Brandon. I've got my great co-host Dag. How you doing, Dag? I'm doing pretty darn good, man. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, it's always a good day when Saul Mayweather comes on, um, and uh, you know he, he really needs no introduction. So, uh, but um, I'm going to give him one anyways. Uh, host of the Agora podcast, CEO of Agoristics, which has a couple different companies: 3D Printer Go Burr, uh, Agora Threads, and uh, probably missing one but um but yeah and uh yeah just just really good to have him on he's he's written some uh he's got his own blog at new libertarian and uh and he's also um written stuff for us too so uh true honor as always um how you doing Saul? good man thank you thank you guys for having me always uh always a pleasure to be on with you guys and uh you know i'm a huge fans of, of, of the show. So I'm, I'm, it's extra good to be on. Shit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, b- before we get into it, um, I don't want to forget our sponsor, uh, pre-search, uh, decentralized crypto search engine earn crypto as you search. And, uh, if, if you, you know, don't get spied on and, uh, you know, it's definitely privacy search engine. So that's um, that, that's always nice too. And if you guys want to help us out, click, click the affiliate link. It will show pre-search that we're worth, um, that we're worth sponsoring. So a lot of talk on agorists, you know, not wanting to get involved in politics. Um, I almost didn't realize it needed to be said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, but uh, but yeah, we, we're kind of being called out somewhat um, recently on with this Twitter storm. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Um, well, I mean, this is sort of the discussion that I wanted to have. Um, you know, it really, I mean, obviously, as an agorist, I'm opposed to um, partyarchy. I, I think it's it's in a in a, I think it's immoral and inefficient. And I think both of those things stem from the logical inconsistencies in that theory. But um, it really all started when uh, the Mises caucus blocked me. Um, so I, I sort of, you know, it's like I was saying to Jay, I was on Use Guys with him. And I said, um, you know, when when your opponent uh when your opponent gets angry, you're supposed to frustrate them because they sort of, you sort of goad them into doing something stupid. And now for the last two weeks, we've had some of the most major NCAP platforms exposing agorist ideas, which I think is sort of great. I think it's wonderful that so many people have been exposed now um, to agorism. I mean, <clears throat> for better or worse, uh, Dave Smith uh, got into it with me a little bit as well on Twitter and uh, you know, I forget what he said, he, but he said something about, you know, how many agorists were created by Ron Paul or something. But that tweet alone got like 1,500 likes, which is, to me, is, is good because that means 1,500 people are familiar with the term agorism. So I think it's good that we're spreading this awareness. I think it's, it's positive. And I think that, um, you know, over the next 
two years until the election occurs, we're going to continue this line. We're going to continue exposing the inconsistencies in partyarchy. And that's only going to grow the movement even further than it already has grown. So I'm excited about it. I'm, I, I wanted to have this conversation in the public. I wanted the liberty movement to have this conversation. And I think they are. Um, not everyone is going to agree with us. I think that there's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, from being honest, I think there's a lot of Dave Smith fanboys. I like Dave. I'm a huge fan of Dave and all of his shows. I think he's hilarious. But there's a lot of people out there, I think, who are more interested in sort of the cult of personality than they are in actually attaining liberty. So, um, yeah, I'm sort of a long-winded answer, but. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, uh, a, it's a great answer, yeah. Go, uh, go, go ahead, Dak. I was going to say uh, a few weeks ago, um, I, yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter say something like, oh, this Dave Smith versus Vin Armani feud or something starting. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I like both those guys. I don't want any part of this, <laughs> you know, but um, but ultimately it's frustrating because I do like Dave. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just politics. Like, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like the answer. You know, well, it never has. Even before I'd ever heard of agorism and I was an anarcho-capitalist, I was like, yeah, of course we don't vote. That's retarded. Like, we're anarcho. <laughs> it's, it's sort of telling, though how um and 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 vin um vin had a more like poignant like uh attack i forget what exactly he had said but i think it was more um edgy, it was a little bit more edgy than mine but uh look i think we need to attack from all angles but i do think it's telling how um how upset they get how butthurt the end caps get when you you know none of us have really just you know called them out in a blatant ad hom style fashion we're all giving them like logical critiques and then they respond with like ad hom and they get butt hurt and stuff and i think that stems yeah. from their frustrations with their own inconsistencies yeah yeah it's 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 tough you know because i mean i get i get like the the desire to you know do something right and you know when you look at you know like you know something like, let's say we had like a libertarian party that actually said the things we thought, obviously, you know, it's inconsistent being a party, you know, in itself, but it's like, I get the temptation, you know, for sure to resort to that. But, you know, like, like you said, it's, it's inconsistent. Ultimately it's ineffective. And for me, it's a huge waste of time and resources, you know, and that's, that's my big thing with it is like, I've got better shit that I could be doing, you know, to help promote liberty and even if it's not on a grand scale i could be spending my time and energy helping myself and my community you know and that just seems like a way better use of, of resources to me i mean the 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 immorality and the inefficiencies of of any strategy other than counter economics it stems from the logical inconsistencies of a theory and i hate to sound like a broken record but i mean if you read uh Konkin in, in the the primer this is the point that he tries to make throughout the whole book is is the the key to agorism is that we have a consistent theory right it's almost like the key to quantum mechanics is that it's a consistent theory that's what separates it from newtonian mechanics right like newtonian mechanics is, was great because it was this sort of revolutionary scientific theory that seemed to explain everything very well and that sort of reminds me of Rothbardian anarcho-capitalism, anarcho but there were some holes in Newtonian mechanics. It didn't really explain everything perfectly. Like at the quantum level, there were some things that just didn't add up. And, you know, then we had the sort of quantum revolution and Einstein came along and stuff like that. And that sort of represents agorism in Konkin because in my mind, Konkin sort of completes the theory. He sort of brings it full circle and he sort of irons out those, those inconsistencies. So, you know... I don't think we should, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think we should be dedicating resources 
to an inconsistent theory, right? You would like the analogy that I've been using is that you don't, you wouldn't want a uh, university science department to allocate equal funding to teaching astronomy students that the earth is the center of, of the galaxy and that the sun is the center of the solar system. Like one of those things is true, the other is false. So why teach both, right? So counter economics is true, partyarchy is false. Why teach both? Yeah, you, man, you put it so well. Uh, I had brought up, um, I have replied on, on Twitter, you know, I pr probably should shouldn't have because um, we're so small that uh, <laughs> Dave Smith will probably write us off for the rest of our, uh, our life now. But, um, but I had said, uh, not going to say that there's no benefit. It's like welfare. You can right. only see the positive results and not the negative ones. The loss of opportunity wasted on a failed political system is foolish. Libertarians should be focused on solutions outside of political theater. And, um, and I, I, I truly believe that. I, I think that there's, there's this loss of opportunity that you don't see and, and people only see the positive results that come from um, playing the, the political game. Yeah, and I, I mean, you, you, that's, that's really poignant. Um, you know, this is the same, this is the whole point that, who, as far as I'm concerned, the smartest agorist alive today, Per Bylan makes. He has a whole book about that um, yeah, called The Seen, the Unseen, the Unrealized. And this is exactly sort of what he's referring to. And you just brought it home in a political sense. I think that was a brilliant point. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating because it's like, we don't believe in government and, um, you know, even Dave Smith's an anarchist, but he still wants uh, uh, to become the government. Yeah. Yeah. He, he still wants to take, take control of a, uh, a, a system of slavery, which is, which is kind of frustrating um, for me because I'm, I'm just like, I don't see how you guys can see the, uh, the, uh, the mental gymnastics that you have to go through to, to, uh, justify that but um you know, their, their argument of course is that oh we don't expect to win right we're not you know it's just an educational thing right. um which you know has problems in itself too um but uh but of course that's you know that's what they'll say oh i don't want to be president you know but you know if we can get out there and, and educate some people of course and, and you know you can look at stuff like you know like okay ron paul you know maybe brought some people over but i also knew a lot of people who were into ron paul and then they were into bernie sanders and then they were into elizabeth warren um i think that people who are I think sometimes it's futile to try to like wake people up so much. Some people are going to be prone to it. Some people will come around to it. So the people who Ron Paul brought in, they would have been brought in anyhow, in my opinion. I mean, this is like the sort of, um, this is the, the craziest argument that they make, I think, is this idea that they're trying to sell a political party. They're trying to convince libertarians that a political party is not a political institution, but an educational institution. And yet they are running candidates for uh, for elections. They are dedicating time, energy, and resources to those campaigns. They're celebrating even the, the smallest of, of electoral successes, but then they're telling you that they don't want to win, right? They don't actually want to win, right? So, I mean, which is it, right? So it's, it's, it's sort of ridiculous that they say that they don't want to win elections. And then what happens when they do win the election, right? I mean, the president doesn't have the power to abolish these executive agencies. It can only be done with an act of Congress. So we're going to have, um, what, a libertarian head of the ATF, 
a libertarian head of the FBI <laughs> and the NSA. I mean, we're gonna have libertarians in charge of the Supreme Court. I mean, this is this is insane to me. This is this is literally Konkin's nightmare. I forget where he wrote about this. You might know, but he he spoke about this like the libertarian, like some some like he envisioned in his nightmare, like an agorist being. Uh, captured by the by the libertarian cops to be brought before the libertarian judge who's taken to a libertarian jail with the libertarian warden and where he's taken to the libertarian execution chamber and it's just like at what at what point is it like it's just pointless right what's the whole point of of even the term libertarian if we're just going to use it to become the enemy like you wouldn't another way of putting this point maybe a little bit more succinctly is like if you're if you were setting out to stop the mafia like if you're setting out to stop John Gotti or the Gambinos, you wouldn't say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be become a mobster and I'm going to start killing people and stuff. I'm going to be a bad guy. But you know what? Maybe one day I'm going to get close enough to the boss where I can convince him, hey, maybe you shouldn't be so mean. Maybe you shouldn't extort people as much. That's a ludicrous sort of strategy to me. This is <laughs> insane as far as you ask me. Oh, we'll change it from the inside. <laughs> Yeah. All right. What uh? What else we got, Brandon? Yeah. Um. I think we touched on that topic pretty good. I don't have oh, any. Oh God! I, it... I hope we covered that one enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um. It's it's a. It's something that we have to unfortunately talk about with these. Yeah, I mean, these you know these these libertarians that believe that um that we, need... we had a resurgence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's sort of the problem, right? Is that I, mean, I don't know how maybe the way I I felt maybe like a year ago or a year and a half ago, it really seemed like the party was finally dying. Like people were finally losing faith in this failed institution, right? And I, it was it, it felt good. It felt like we were finally starting to make make some progress here. And now, um, you know, this the Mises Caucus is really sort of. Uh, you know, they, they've gained a lot of ground by attracting content creators. Um, yeah. Um, what was it like a year or two ago? It was like five or six big names um, joined the LP. Uh, and I love all of them, you know. Um, well, you know what it was, is they started and, offering bounties for uh, victims, right? So in other words, for uh, every victim that you, drawn, that you drew in to the, to the Mises caucus, they, they actually paid you, right? They were actually bribing people um, to join the party archy at one point. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, that's that's crazy. And, you know, I saw a bunch of like content creators say, okay, agorism is the way. Agorism is, is, is the solution. And then, then they kind of later on, they, they flip-flopped and was, and was like, okay, we need to go to LP caucus. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What happened to uh, to agorism was the solution. We don't need to, to get political, but now it's L LP, you know, uh, Mises Caucus. Yeah, we got a lot of um, popularity in 2020 for sure, or at least for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of it is um, again. I think, and, and I I love these people. I really do. I don't disagree with them on much, but I think that a lot of it has to do with the cult of personality. And, and they, they get drawn in. They think that, you know, some of, some of the responses that I get on Twitter are just maddening. Like, well, if we get Dave Smith and we're going to we're going to be on Rogan, <laughs> like, 
that's not my idea of liberty is getting on the Joe Rogan podcast, right? That my <laughs> idea of liberty is like, you know, seeing the CEO of Goldman Sachs in my labor camp. That's, <laughs> that, that's what I'm going for, you know? So I just think at the end of the day, like they get so caught up in, in the whole, the, the circus of it, that it's just, they, they lose sight of the final goal. Yeah, agreed. Hey guys, quick pause here to tell you about our sponsor, Devault Cryptocurrency. Ticker symbol DVT is a low cap coin with a market cap around 900,000. So there could be room for opportunity here. Not financial advice, but we really like this project. Yeah, the Devault Core Wallet is one of the best I've ever seen. Um, very user friendly, super easy to use with cold staking rewards. So it's like getting interest. Um, they're working on privacy with Terraform. Also, uh, DeFi to decentralize and replace financial institutions. So go ahead and check them out over at devault.cc and get you a Devault Core Wallet today. Also, be sure to check out the show notes to find exchanges that they are traded on. With that said, let's get back to the show. Yeah, you you, you just uh, you hit it right on the head as always. Um, what we, me and uh, me and Dag just covered an episode about uh well it's another one of our end game episodes it should be released later today but um it was about basically you know government taking over um uh doing doing lockdowns uh via environmentally and um it's kind of uh i'd say it's kind of frustrating to see elon musk you know want a environmental tax um because he there were occasions where you're like is he a libertarian but uh but but of course you you can't trust billionaires right like you can't um uh you know there's a reason why they're they're billionaires because they're they're in the this big club as george carlin says but um what you know what are your thoughts on this uh this this climate change you know, and then, then Elon Musk says, oh, yeah, Bitcoin is bad for the environment and all this stuff. What are your thoughts on like this, um, this whole climate change, cryptocurrency, Elon Musk uh, uh, stuff that we see coming out? Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways. Um, so I guess, first of all, like Walter Block, um, he has a book called um, a book called Space Capitalism, which I highly recommend to everybody. And. Uh, he's got a little section in there on Elon and he goes through um, all of the subsidies that Elon has received. And he concludes by saying, look, you know, it's fine that, um, you know, it's fine to take money from the government, right? You're just sort of getting your money back and, and they don't, you know, it's better to have money in the private sector than the public sector. But at the end of the day, we can't call this guy a libertarian because of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely agree with block on that. Um, you know, uh, it's sort of it's sort of sad because in it goes back to what Konkin said about counter economics existing on a spectrum, right? Because you know when Elon, when when SpaceX sort of you know did to NASA what Kodak uh, or, or, or or what um, um, Netflix did to Blockbuster, right? Then that that was a great victory in terms of the counter economy, right? We always want to we always want to create private infrastructure that outcompetes the public infrastructure. This is the this is the hallmark of phase three of the worst revolution. And I think that's wonderful. But then we see stuff like this, like calling for a higher, higher carbon tax and, um, 
you know, stuff like that. And I, I think that's insane, obviously, you know, taxation is theft hundred percent and it's really extortion, which is a form of theft. But your, the, the final point about, um, you know, crypto and, and, and the environment is just absurd. It's, it's, it's crazy. This is, this is, this is a, a predictable attack of the state. It's sort of like one of their last ditch efforts to stop cryptocurrencies that they're going to say it's bad for the environment. Meanwhile, um, you know, I had a tweet, I said, just considering the amount of wars that have been enabled by central bankers and inflation, it's unlikely that any currency will ever have as large of a carbon footprint as USD will. So if, if the concern is really environmentalism, then sure, yeah, great. Let's stop using dollars. Let's, you know, that that's the, the true drain on, on the environment is, is USD. Let's end the Fed. I mean, if they were really concerned about the environment, then especially Elon, this guy's sending rockets into outer space. I mean, th th you don't really get more environmentally destructive than something like that. So, you know, Brandon made an excellent point last night and I was thinking about it today, driving around. He was like, you know, regular banks have fucking skyscrapers and, you know, all sorts of shit like Bitcoin or crypto. They don't really have physical locations. Like I drove by, you know, three dozen different bank branches today, buildings with staff right. and air conditioner units and all yeah. sorts of shit. Yeah. You know, like, don't tell me that, like, you know, oh, that's just fine and dandy for the environment versus something that's just online. You know, it's it's so true. It's, it's, a, it's an even better point. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. You know, I've been here, Ash, for um, years. I've had people tell me things like, oh, yeah, it's a problem with, you know, uh, Bitcoin is, you know, it uses so much electricity, you know, tons of stories here and there about, you know, this or that electrical grid being drained, you know, and it's just like, well, that was just my point, though. Was, yeah, I mean, what, your what, bank uses electricity, dude. A lot of people aren't aware that um, most mining pools, I, I think it's like around 70% of mining pools, um, use like a renewable energy source because their electricity costs are so high. They don't want to pay that bill. They'd rather just pay a one-time fee to have solar panels installed or something like that, you know? So uh, the, the environmental impact on crypto compared to fiat, is just not even, it's not even a comparison. And it just goes to show you how desperate they're becoming because in my mind, if you really want to understand what's going on at any point in time, you would just have to follow the money. And all roads lead back to the Fed at all all the time, and yeah. they are in they're in the middle of a, of a collapse. They are caught in a liquidity trap. They're they're screwed, and uh, they know it. And I think the, the the price of cryptocurrency and the sort of volatility in the markets reflects all of that. I have a lot of people say to me when I talk to them about like crypto, and let's say generally older folks, you know, uh, but they're like, oh, I missed the boat on it. I don't even want to get into it. And I try to explain, you know, it's you need to get out of that bad currency or whatever. Do you have anything that you like to say to people, you know, like elevator pitch when they say something like that, like why they should seriously consider getting into it? Or are they not worth the uh, not worth the effort at that point? This is this is. Um we're still in the infancy as far as I'm concerned. This is just getting started. <laughs> we haven't even, like the whole, the whole, the, the whole Tocambrian explosion is just, just underway now. And I think that is going to be a huge driver of demand for cryptocurrency that people aren't even expecting yet. Like, look at the, the draw on um, the, the amount of congestion caused on the ether chain because of tokenization, right? Look at all that demand for, for, uh, for miners there, that's going to flood into all different sorts of cryptocurrencies as tokenization sort of blossoms into like all different formats. Like today it's about what art, 
in like a, maybe like a couple albums here and there, but in the in the very near future, houses, cars, skyscrapers, everything is going to be tokenized. Businesses are going to be tokenized. And I think that's going to be a huge driver of demand. So I really think we're in the early, early, early stages of cryptocurrency. Um, and I think the people who are in now are going to be sort of like considered the, the, the originals, you know, which is sort of funny because, you know, a lot of the newbies now, you know, I, I, I don't know. So a lot of the newbies I find annoying because they get drawn to the whole maxi thing. Again, it's like this cult of personality. They're more interested in like the whole drama and the circus of it than they are in the actual fundamentals. So um, whatever it is, what it is, as long as we attract more people, you know, th- one of the things people say to me for agorism, and I'll, I'll just, I know I'm sort of babbling, but I'll end it here is that they say like, well, how are we going to convince people? Right. If we need to like spread the message somehow. And I say to them, Children are buying cryptocurrency today. It's not because they understand business cycle theory or that they read Konkin, right? They don't didn't read the cyberpunk manifesto or the crypto anarchist manifesto. They're buying it because it makes financial sense. And that's how we're going to incentivize people to join the counter economy, right? It's just going to make financial sense to do it. Yeah, you know, uh, my my son, he, um, he earned some money doing some... Uh, work for um for a couple of neighbors and the first thing he did was he um he he took that cash and he he bought crypto with it now the the funny thing about that is that he's he'd be too young for his own bank account you know so so he he wouldn't be able to uh throw that money in a bank or, or, or do anything but with crypto he he's able to create his own bank account permissionless. I mean, it's such a great example. Like even, even like a child is able to become their own bank now. Like, and that's, that, that's just goes to underline and highlight the power of decentralizing technology. It's just, it's beautiful to me. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I don't see why not. Right. Like if he wants his own, um, if he wants his own crypto account, like I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't see any downside to that. So um not only that, but, but, you know, by the time, you know, he's older, he's going to be very thankful that uh, he, had, he had that cryptocurrency. I mean, could you imagine if when we were kids, you know, um, if I was, if I knew if Bitcoin was around when I was a child and I had bought some, my, my 20s would have been much different. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have survived. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's already extremely grateful. Um just in this last little cycle. So it's, it's been great. And, um, you know, he's had this feeling of like, you know, I've actually got, um, money that's going to grow in value. So he's got this mindset of like wanting to save as much as he can instead of, uh, you know, what can I buy today? You know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's great. That's the, and that is really the key. That's that's the whole key is that when you um, when you start using like a sound form of money, your time preference naturally increases. So like, um, you know, you're you're more willing to plan for the future. You save capital, which allows you to do all sorts of things in the future: invest or start a business or buy a house or a car. All sorts of it just it enables the individual, and obviously, you know. Pompey work and hop are, are the go-tos on time preference. So I'm not going to try to 
you know, mince words, but it's really, it, it's one of the things that has a ripple effect on someone's life. It makes them more stable. It's, you're less likely to engage in risky behavior when you use sound money. So it just has all around, it's one of the, one of the best things you could do for your health is to become your own bank. And I know that sort of sounds like weird. You don't really think of it like that, but it's true. It's a hundred percent true. Um, you know, I didn't actually really get into like whole, like having crypto until um, it's like, it's been about a year. And um, I think I had heard you uh, make that point one time that just how it changes like your time preference, like in the past, terrible with money, dude, you know, yeah. I was, I'm going to go out and buy some beers or whatever. But when I right. have a currency that if I wait two days, it's going to be worth more. I, it's so much harder to spend it, you know, and I've become better with money. Um, I look at things differently. And that's really a point I try to make to, you know, like my example of people who are wishy-washy whether or not to get into it. I'm like, dude, like, it's just, it's just an amazing thing to have a currency that increases in value. You know, um, it's, it's just really amazing. I love it. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's, it's one of the things that it's, like I say, it's one of the most important things that, uh, that the individual can do for themselves. Yeah. And I, I think, I think government kind of, um, I don't know if they, you know, they, they probably do it on purpose, you know. Just the um, existence of the Fed makes everybody's time preference, you know, it, it skews right. all that. You know, I've heard some really convincing arguments like why, like that just, that just ruined everything. Just societal problems. I mean, everything, because when you ruin your time preference, I mean, that's, that's how you're supposed to make decisions, important decisions. And when you throw yeah. that out the window, you well, know. That's, that's the whole thing is that the central bank is like, is like they're artificially inducing a, a high time preference on society. And that, and that sort of, and then, you know, it's almost like a dog chasing its tail. Now people are, are worse off. So we need, you know, they're, they're, they're more likely to use drugs. So we need drug prohibition. They're more likely to be broke. So we need welfare and on and on and on and on. And like, it's just sort of one thing, one, one liberty violation begets the next. And that's sort of the whole, that, that, that's one of the major problems with central banking. That's why I, you know, I've spoken um, a lot about when I, when I talk about counter economics, I always try to say that the most important thing that you could do, in my opinion, is to be your own bank, because that's really the key. If we could, the greatest enemy of liberty to today is the Federal Reserve. And I think, um, you know, it's why I promote cryptocurrency and Bitcoin Cash is because I think the greatest competitor to the Federal Reserve is Bitcoin Cash, because it's the most uh, efficient medium of exchange that the world has ever known. So that's that's that, that's the the number one key not the only key right it's not going to be the thing you know it's like sam said no one counter economic activity is going to suffice to bring about the agora but all combined together will yeah man. sure yeah uh i i, I want to i think uh this is a good time to transition into inflation because we are seeing um you know and i we were talking about this yesterday, uh, lumber prices go up and now whether or not that's um, manipulated or not, uh, Dag made a pretty, um, what did you say exactly about it yesterday, Dag? Um, well, I was just saying that like anywhere from there, you know, shut down production for a year, blah, blah, blah. You know, there might be plenty of reasons that, you know, it's legitimately becoming scarce, but I have heard 
reports, I mean, you know, I don't know what's true or whatever, but like truckers, for instance, saying that when they go to the lumber yards, they're full, like that there is no shortage, uh, that, you know, it's some sort of, some sort of manipulation thing, which, you know, right now a lot of people are building, you know, if they really wanted to squeeze some dough out of people, I guess they could. I'm always a little weary of, you know, that kind of thing, just because, you know, historically when people try to create a monopoly outside of the government, making it so, you know, um, somebody comes in and undercuts that's why we love competition etc but really with something like lumber i mean there's a few big players and that's about it so so who really knows but it's um but yeah it's getting really expensive to uh to do anything you know uh lumber wise um especially if you know you go to my two before it's like five times the typical cost right now it's really nuts well i mean you know again going back to like business cycle theory uh when they print money, the first people to get that money, right? Whatever they, whatever they're using it for, is where you're going to see a bubble. So the the money get, comes off the printing press, and the first thing that happens is they they send it to, uh, you know, the regional banks like your Chase and your Wells Fargo and stuff. Who are these guys giving it to? They are. Who are they writing loans to, and what are people using the stimulus money for? Well, I don't know about you guys, but. A box of nine millimeter around here is going for, I don't know, 40 bucks, give or take, if you're, if you get lucky, I guess, sometimes. So, I mean, lumber prices are going through the roof. Um, I think the fuel thing is a little bit different. I think that, I don't know what's going on there. I think that there's some, definitely some, something at, at play that, you know, under, under the, the surface of the water. But yeah, I mean, look, they've printed, um, what, like 20 some odd percent, I think, of the entire money supply has been printed in the last like 12 to 18 months. So that obviously, you know, we know from the science of economics, from Mises, that that excess credit has to get burned off. All that malinvestment has to get cleared out of the economy. Um, and that is not a, that, that, that's going to be a painful process. Uh, and it's not a sustainable thing. So eventually, eventually the game of musical chairs will stop. And when it does, we all better hope that we have a seat. And the way to do that is to, again, I hate selling a broken record, but the way to do that is to become your own bank and to Very true. cryptocurrencies and precious metals and non-inflationary assets and anything you can really. You, um, you're a fiction guy. Um, you've read Alongside Night, I assume. Oh yeah, sure, for sure. So like, I just love like in that, like, they really just paint the picture of like in a really like hyperinflationary like place. Like if you have any sort of even close to sound money, like you're sitting pretty, you know, compared to regular people who don't. And just the way that he illustrates it in that book, I really thought was beautiful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's really like really kicked me in the ass though. Since I read that too, I'm like, okay, everything going down. It's like, yeah, I need to get a little more crypto. I need to get a little more metal, <laughs> you know, well, that's the, and, and like, that's the book that inspired Ross to create the Silk Road. And like, you have to think about like, you know, think about like what you just said was with the plot happening in that book where you have hyperinflation, the state is collapsing. And now think about the environment that Ross is working in. 2008, the banking collapse happens. Uh, the economy goes to shit. Bitcoin is invented. Now Ross is sort of like immersed in this. He reads this and he just, he, he understands, right? And, and, you know, that's why Neil... Um, I remember him saying to me that he felt guilty about, uh, he felt a little bit guilty about it because Ross it was in doing double life plus 40 and he had, he was on record as saying he was an agorist and influenced by alongside night. But, you know, going back to your original point, you, you know, 
you're 100% right. Those who hold sound money are going to be the ones who are better off. And not, it's not only portrayed in the book, but it's also portrayed in history, right? Those who hold gold during times of hyperinflation are the ones who are the next landed class, the next nobility. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because a lot of these um, a lot of these libertarians have have gotten in be, because it just makes sense. And w- whether it's crypto, gold, or silver, they've I know that they've gotten they've they've gone into some kind of uh, or one of these categories. And um, I I just think it's interesting how Jeff Berwick says. Uh, he says, he says a Bible quote, the, the meek will inherit the earth. And, um, you know, whether you believe in religion or not, I think that that's a, uh, uh, I, I think that's such an interesting um, thought because it's, you know, all these people who are, who are for the non-aggression principle are going to, to uh, be making all of this wealth during hyperinflation. So, um, that's you know think think about that a little bit right because like what is what effect is all that happening right what, what what effect is that having it's it's sort of transferring wealth in a natural way from the state to the counter economy so who's becoming enriched the agorists right it's the people the, the early adopters those who were the first to the table the conconites the pure pure-blooded conconites are the ones who are profiting off of this and the bankers are the one losing. So it's a natural progression. And I think we're going to see more and more of it. Yeah. And it's crazy because they're, they're, they're doing it to themselves. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, and, it, and you know, it's like when your enemy makes a mistake, let them, well, not only are they making a mistake, but we're, we're gaining from it. So God bless, you know, it, it, you know, as, if it wasn't for cryptocurrency and gold and silver, I probably wouldn't be so careless about, the central bank's inflation, but I really don't care at this point. Let them collapse the economy because I'm, I've been waiting for this to come. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm poised pretty well. Obviously I wish I had more of all cryptocurrency and precious metals, but <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. You know, I don't have any fiat, which is, which is, you know, I think the first step. Yeah. It's, um, it, it is the kind of thing where it's like, well, no matter what it's going to happen, there's not much you can do about it, you know, except be prepared. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, um, but um, oh gosh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, like when I hear people say, "Oh man, did you hear what you know the you know whatever policy the government enacted, it's just gonna co- you know it's economically it's bad and it's gonna collapse the dollar." And it's like, yeah, like what'd you expect? <laughs> like, of course, dude, that's what they you know that's what they do. Like, I, I don't want to waste any effort complaining. Let's just find a solution. Exactly, exactly, and it's become it's almost become mainstream. Like the the whole mocking of fiat currency now, we're starting to see it among more mainstream individuals, right? So it, it, it's, it's bleeding out, it's bleeding out. I think a lot of it has to do with meme culture, right? And stuff like that, but it is starting to catch on in the general public's eye. Uh, it's sort of undeniable at this point, right? People see the inflation, they see the price of non-inflationary assets skyrocketing. It's almost undeniable at this point. I don't know how the, frankly, I don't know how the Paul Krugmans and the Stephanie Keltons of the world are managed to stay relevant when they're proven so wrong every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, somebody asked me that they were like, okay, hey, uh, well, aren't, aren't you libertarian? Like, why do you, why do you want stimulus? And I'm like, well, you know, 
let, let, let the slaves have as much of their money back as possible, right? right? Like you're, you're just bleeding the state and, and the Fed at this point. So, um, you know, I, the, the way I see it, and I, I agree with you 100%, and that's, that's the point that I think Block was making. But um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll just I'll just leave it there. I agree with you. Um, yeah, uh, you, you know, of course, of course, government's reckless and, um, and we don't like government, but, uh, you know, hopefully people take, take their stimulus and they, um, and they, uh, they make good decisions with it and protect themselves. But, um, I mean, like, if, so if you think about it, like they have to keep printing money, they just have to do it. Other, they're going to print money until the whole house of cards comes down. And it's, it's just a matter of what are they going to do with that money? Are they going to use it to, um, you know, fund wars? Or is the Goldman Sachs CEO going to get a new yacht? I would rather it go to the people. Um, let them, let them uh, have the toilet paper money, you know. At least we can convert it into crypto and, and uh, guns and ammo and stuff like that. And, and until, um, you know, they come out with this... Uh, central bank digital currency. I don't know, you know, I, I think that that has a lot to do with this. I think they're going to, when they come out with that, it's going to be for the purpose of saying, you know, so now rather than receiving a direct deposit into your bank account, what they're going to do is they're going to say, you're going to get a notification on your phone that boom, you've received X amount of dollars courtesy of the, your local politicians. But, um, you know, now because it's, it's a digital currency, they're going to restrict where you can spend it because they need the stimulus money to actually stimulate the economy. And if you stick it under your mattress or you buy Bitcoin cash or you buy ammo, it's not really stimulating the economy as much as if you went to the mall or to the movies or to a restaurant. That's what they want you to do with the money. Um, that's how you keep the game alive. So uh, I think that's, that's the whole scam behind the central bank digital currencies that they sort of want to restrict where you can spend it. So I predict that if they ever come out, um, the central bank digital currencies that it will be only spendable where they allow you to spend it. Yeah. So you won't be able to buy guns with the, and um, uh, me and Dag in, in, in a previous episode, were talking about that too, how they would, um, how, how they would like put a time limit on it and say, okay, you have to spend it within X amount of time or else you lose it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, they need, they need us to use that stimulus money in a way that stimulates the economy. And, and a lot of people didn't last time. So what happens is like, if they do a round of stimulus and everybody stashes that, that money, then they need to do another round of stimulus. And, they, and eventually what happens is that you just over, you overheat the economy. And that's, that's exactly what's starting to occur now. I mean, not starting to occur, but it's, it's the process is well underway. But finally, the average individual is starting to see the effects of that. When, when do you think we'll, we'll start to see this hyperinflationary event uh, like fully unfold? That's the, that's the whole thing about economics, right? Economics tells us what's going to happen, but it doesn't tell us when it's going to happen. If it did, we would all be, you know, brilliant investors. We'd all be Warren Buffett's of the world or Peter Schiff. But um, I, I, I hesitate to, to, to guess at, at the, the, the timing of it. But I don't, we know it can't continue forever. And it's a matter of time. I would be amazed um, 
if they can continue this up for, I don't know, another two to five years would be just astonishing to me. Um, but who knows? Who knows? The, the people are sheep-like and the indoctrination centers are, are firing on all cylinders. So who knows? Maybe they can goad people into, they can wring out the towel for another, you know, decade or so. I don't know. I'd be surprised, though, if they can keep it up that long. I think the economy is way too hot as it is right now. And I think uh, it's going to bounce back like a rubber band. Um, this, this, this male investment, all this inflation that they've produced over the last year or so. It definitely seems like it's like picking up speed. You know, I mean, 2020 was just insane. And I just feel like, yeah, I mean, it was always the kind of thing where I'm like, they're pretty good at working this thing. Like they're probably good. We probably got a bit of time, you know, but after this last year, man, it really seems like they're starting to drop some of the balls. Yeah. And you know? notice, notice that, you know, as right now, as inflation is finally like starting to tick up and people are starting to talk about it. All of a sudden, coronavirus, like masks can go. It's not a big deal anymore. You can go back to work. You can do all these things now because they know that if they keep everybody on lock and key, that they have to issue more stimulus checks. And it's just it's just a big, big shit show that they've created. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I encourage people to like learn business cycle theory, learn Austrian business cycle theory, because that sort of just explains all of it. All right, let's take a Quick second to shout out Agorist Acres Seeds. Agoristacres.com stocks a variety of seeds for your garden or homestead. They also have really cool packaging instead of those silly paper envelopes. Buy seeds with crypto, support the counter economy, and become self-sustaining today. Agorist Acres offers fast shipping so you can get started right away. Make sure you use code NEXUS10 at the checkout for 10% off of your orders. Also, they will donate a portion of the sale to Agorist Nexus, helping to bring you all the great content you expect. And all right, let's get on with it. Yeah, economics in one lesson was a just phenomenal turning point in my life, definitely. Yeah, I, I love that book too, Economics in One Lesson by uh, Henry Hazlitt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I want to switch gears to um, 3D printing. And uh, one reason why I really love your, your 3D printing company, Saw, is because um, 3D printer go burr for, for anyone who doesn't know it, but uh, it's because me and Dag did a previous episode on how, um, how they wanted to do, like, uh, they wanted to, to track 3D printing. And um, yeah, fingerprinting them. Yeah. Yeah. Fingerprinting them. Yeah. And, uh, and what's really cool about 3D printer go burr is I think it's the only like non KYC, you know, you don't have to give any information to be able to get a, uh, a 3D printer. So, I mean, just, just a brilliant, um, brilliant, very, uh, you know, um, uh, how do so I want to say this? I, I was mad. <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> That's so simple. I should have come up with that. Such a, <laughs> So it's just just a, just a genius idea and a, a very long term thinking, you know. So, um, I mean, hats off to you. And uh, you know, how, how do you how do you come up with these these great ideas? Well, I mean, if you think about it, like it's the only way really to purchase a three D printer without having to access a KYC platform, and that that's the whole point. Um, and man, did this piss off the Bitcoin maximalist when I started this this project because you know, their whole narrative is that the, the utility of cryptocurrency is as a store of value. And here I am showing them 
actually demonstrating in real life how it can be used for the purpose that Satoshi designed it for, right? If you read the white paper, this is what he this is what he was setting out for, was to have a peer-to-peer -peer currency that didn't require a third-party intermediary like a bank or PayPal or uh, you know Visa or something like that. So this is the whole point of cryptocurrency, and um, you know. If you understand the, the the if you understand that, then you sort of apply it to all. You can apply it to anything that the state doesn't like, right? So, um, you know, I, there's all sorts of examples out there. Uh, if you accept Bitcoin for them, then people don't want there to be a record of that transaction. So, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a private transaction. I tell people, you know, if you if you're out for a private private transaction, yes, step one is to use cryptocurrency, but also Use a VPN, use a coin mixer, um, use as many tools as possible to obscure that transaction. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just look for ways to engage in entrepreneurship in a disruptive way. To me, entrepreneurship, um, entrepreneurs seek profit and agorism is a subset of entrepreneurship because we seek both profit, but also disruption. So, um there's a lot of things that I want to do. I have a lot of ideas, but um, I'm, I've been really busy. 3D Printer Go Burr has really taken off. And thank God I'm not complaining about it. I'm grateful for it. But um, there's a lot I, wanted to do, I want to do. And a lot of my time and, and effort and capital is required by um, the current slate of projects I have. So I'm working on I'm going to try to start delegating more so I can, I can sort of free up some time to get involved in some other things. I think um, there's a lot out there that I want to do. There's a lot of room, especially nowadays, for counter-economic activity. And uh, that's how we're going to sort of make a difference. We can argue and, and fight with the party arcs and the ANCAPs and the commies on, on Twitter and Facebook all day long. But at the end of the day, like Konkin said, and, you know, do or do not, there is no try. You have to sort of exemplify um, this, this, this philosophy. So. I think that right now, any company that doesn't accept crypto and I mean, really, I mean, I'd say take any of them, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I think it's just silly um, because especially now at a time when it's going to be a big thing and a lot of people have a lot of gains right now that they don't really have, you know, good options to do anything with it. You know, yeah, you can cash it out of the exchange, but then, you know, taxes, et cetera. So, you know, just be able to buy stuff with it. You know, I think it's, it's, you know, it'll be tempting for people. Hey man, you got this extra dough you're sitting on, come buy some of my shit. Then, and that's, you know, the, I, I tell people the greatest, the best way to acquire cryptocurrency is to earn it. Right, because there is no uh, KYC exchange that you're getting from it. It's just the individual sending it to you, plain and simple. And uh, you're right, you're right. I get requests at least twice a day for people wanting to pay in some obscure cryptocurrency that I've never heard of or something like that. And I wish I could accept all of them. I just, um, I'm not technically efficient enough to write code and create my own payment processor. So I'm stuck using third-party applications like coin payments or Coinbase Commerce or something like that. Um, but it is, it is interesting though, that, like I said originally, like one of the, the reactions from the Maxis were like, don't spend it. You, you're not supposed to spend it. It's supposed to be saved, right? This is a glorified savings account. They would say, well, why don't you just, if you want to purchase a 3D printer with without having to access a KYC platform, why don't you take cash, 
go to the um, your local pharmacy. I swear to God, this is what they said to me. Get a gift card for Amazon and then use the gift card. And I'm thinking to myself, so you as a Bitcoin maximalist trust the, the security cameras at your local pharmacy more than the pseudonymity of Satoshi's white paper, but you call yourself a maximalist. And this is the sort of... Um, nonsense that you have to sort of that, that normally that just naturally gets exposed when you practice counter economics yeah plus those cards a lot of times don't like work internationally so depending on what you're trying to buy and where from a lot of times they just don't work like that anyhow um, you know oh, they, for they, sure. they, they, they won't work whereas crypto you know low transaction fee anywhere in the world boom 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 and like there's no video camera anywhere so I mean, I, I work with, <laughs> you know, work you're, with you're pretty good. Um, over at Agora Threads, I work with designers from all over the world, um, you know, including Lily, who's, who's in Mexico. And um, I, it would be uneconomical for me to pay in fiat currency because then we have to pay a third party for this transaction. That's just stupid. Um, and to do it in cryptocurrency, it's, and to do it with Bitcoin Cash specifically, um, they're, they're able to receive the payment as soon as I send it. I just, hey, did you get it? Yes. Okay, cool. And it's just one, two, three. It's brilliant. And obviously, you know, that's that's the whole point. That's why we're here. So let's say somebody already has an Ender 3. They've gotten set up. They're good at it. They're getting to the point um, where it's running basically nonstop and they want to add another pony to the stable. What do you recommend? Do you recommend another Ender 3 or is there something maybe a little bit higher that might have some features? Um, you know, maybe what would a, what would you recommend to this person? Definitely not me. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a few options for you there. The Ender 3 is great. If, if you're firing on all cylinders and you're uh, able to, you know, print anything on command without a problem, and that's great. And you're, you know, I would move on to a resin printer because I think that those are sort of, that's going to be the next wave. So if you get in now, um, you, you, you'll, you'll be at the top of the heat pretty soon. But there are some... Um, there's some great FDM printers out there. So like the next step up, I think would be, I, I personally like the Ender 6 because it's, it's a beast. Um, I actually just sold, I had one left and somebody just bought it and I was kind of hoping nobody did buy it because I wanted to keep it, but it is what it is. And th this, it's huge, it's fast. It's got the, um, uh, it, it's able to print with the same sort of definition and resolution as a resin printer, which is unheard of. And it can do it at almost the same speed as a resin printer, which is unheard of. And it's enormous. So really, you can print anything. And it's very aesthetically pleasing as well. It's just a nice machine. Um, we are working on getting uh, the next round of printers we're going to get is going to be a little bit different. Um, there is a CR6 Smart, I believe it's called, which is going to be a smart printer. So in other words, uh, you can mod your Ender 3 and, and your, 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 any Creality printer can basically be modded to work with a Wi-Fi box so that you can control it with an app on your phone and stuff like that. But uh, the, the smart machines are going to come with that pre-built. So if you're looking for an upgrade, that's not a bad one. Another good upgrade from the Ender line, besides the 6 and the CR6 smart, check out the CR30. Uh, uh, which is the, the, the belt printer designed by Naomi, Naomi Wu. Very curious. This thing is um, a beast too. So you have FDM printing, which is your normal Ender 3 style printer. Then you have resin printing, which is uses photopolymeric resin. 
Now we have um, belt printers, which is a version of FDM printing, but the, the extrusion occurs at a 45 degree angle and it, it's almost like on a treadmill so that uh, you can make really long, uh, really long prints in uh, one piece. So people are out there making swords and stuff like that. I can't wait to see what um, the folks at Deterrence Dispensed and Are We Cool Yet come up with when they get their hands on this sucker. I think a couple of them already do um, have, have the belt printers and I'm excited to see what they can, what they design, you know. So the belt printers are, are for making like longer pieces. Are they, they're also for like, maybe more like an assembly line kind of thing where you can make a bunch of small pieces and they just keep going. I don't got to reset right. my printer every 20 minutes. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You think about it, you could just sort of turn it on, go to work and like come back and you could just have like a whole bin full of Glocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Um, and one more, uh, the um, Ender 3 is the V2 now. Are they still going to be making the regular Ender 3s or are they all going to be the V2s? Are the Ender 3s going to be discontinued? I, no, I think they're going to keep, they're going to keep churning them out just because the Ender 3 is the most popular printer ever. And it's still the most economical, like for a decent printer. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The Ender 3 is, is the classic. Um, courtesy of deterrence suspense and Ivan the troll of course you know it was him who started standardizing his designs for the on the ender 3 and that's why it became so popular and i can tell you this when i talk to my reps in china they are not aware of this <laughs> they don't know why people are they you know as far as they're concerned it's just they have this you know wonderful machine and it's just done so well thank god and the truth of it is, is that, you know, the 3D printing gun community has chosen their machine. They chose it for, they chose the Ender 3 for a reason. Uh, and I asked Ivan about this. It's, it's a cheap, um, high quality machine. You're able to get some really high quality prints for a good price and it's easy to upgrade. Now, that being said, nowadays, I, I recommend, I don't recommend people get the Ender 3 off the bat anymore. I think that they should just get the, get the V2 because um, the prices come down on the V2 a lot. So, you know, by the time, if you get the Ender 3 and you get all the different upgrades necessary um, to really start churning out some good counter-economic pieces, at that one, once you spend all that money, you, you might as well just have gotten the V2, which comes with a lot of those um, upgrades already built in. Um, or, you know, like I said, even like the CR the line of printers, I, I would even, I, I personally recommended um, I recommend people start with, if you're going to, if, you, if your money isn't an option, start with the CR6 SE or the CR6 Smart because that sort of has all the bells and whistles built built in already. So yeah, the Ender 3 is the class act. If you can um, swing it, get the V2. And if money isn't an option, go with one of the CR printers. Nice. You know, when, um, you know, I always figured like, oh, 3D printing is just such a popular hobby. Like I know a lot of people, you know, in real life who, they just print, you know, whatever miniatures or cosplay stuff, you know, um, that I figured that like the 3d printed gun community was actually a very small part of that. But like, when I look at like some of like the, you know, the 3d print gun videos on like YouTube and they're out for a day and they've got 60,000 views, you know, and just Amazon, like you look at the suggested items and it's real easy to see things in a series. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, enough people are buying this stuff, you know, and doing this. And, like I get like goosebumps, like it's amazing. And I was really kind of surprised. And now hearing you tell me what you're telling me about, you know, talking to your supplier and everything. That's, that sounds like that might be the case. That's so funny. This is, this is the way that we're going to stop, stop the bullshit, right? Like 
you know, this is what stops the next, a, a 3D printer in every home is what stops the next wake up, the next Ruby Ridge, not petitions or partyarchy or, or, or begging people not to, begging me not to shoot you, right? That's not going to work. What's going to work is, is decentralizing the manufacturing industry to the point that the individual is empowered to create whatever they want on demand. And that's, that's the real key to 3D printing. That's the real power of it all. Um, and you're right. Um, it really sort of has taken off. I'll give you a quick little story. I have a buddy back home up north who is a flaming Democrat, flaming liberal. And this person was working with the military, but they were also into 3D printing. And like they were like an admitted socialist and against guns, the whole nine. And we were working together to... Um, print some stuff. I think he was like trying to make like a hello helmet or something. And I was helping him out and I had to open up his files and I went into his SD cards to, to help him out. He did it right in front of me and I could see all the gun files right there. So like even the commies are out there, you know what I mean? Even the commies are picking up these, these files. The technology is unstoppable. It's unregulatable. It's, it's, again, this is the power of counter economics. What has been more useful in guaranteeing the right to bear arms one 3D printer does more than all the dollars ever donated to the NRA, right? It's just, it's not even a comparison. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's super cool, man. I, um, I've got, I've got customers, I I've got customers in, in California and New York who send me pictures of the things that they print. And it's just like, this is, this is just so much more effective than trying to get like three percent and make the debate stage like it's just so much more effective you know and again this is the whole benefit of agorism is that it offers instantaneous liberation right we're not we're not debating we're not negotiating with terrorists it's just you're free and take your freedom not you're free so negotiate with politicians right yeah and you know just to like a point on this like you know, these politicians are, you know, complain about, you know, the 3D printed guns and ghost guns and whatnot and how dangerous they are. Yet there's obviously so many of them out there. And the fact that there's so many out there and nobody even knows they exist tells you that, like, the people making them generally aren't, you know, unnecessarily violent people. You know, they're it's it, it's, it's just nice. It's just nice that we're not dickholes, you know. <laughs> and again, the, the, the technology is new, man. It's, it's very new. The Liberator is came out in what 2013 something like that so we're not even 10 yeah. years into the 3d printed gun imagine where we're going to be in 20 or 30 years or 50 years yeah i mean it's just i mean every month they're rolling out with new stuff and it's just it, it's very impressive um th th those guys do very good work and you know, it's, it's the, I, I just love it the the, the the technology is increasing so rapidly right so we started with fdm printers which is your normal printer then you have resin printers now we have um by the way, with resin printers, even that is changing. We're, we've moved from uh, SLA to DLP to LCD, which is, I'm just referring to the, the, the method by which the printer works, but they've become uh, much more efficient. And um, now we're starting to see five axis printing, which I think um, is going to take the world by storm. Most people, even in the 3D printing community, don't know what this is. Um, my brain's melting trying to figure out what the other two axes are yeah i don't know I, I well th <laughs> think about it like this it's sort of just like a, a, a little tiny stand um suspended in the air 
and you have a robotic arm that moves in all directions and it could just mm -hmm. sort of print anywhere on any piece of the machine so or any piece of the, of the print um that i think is going to take the world by storm so you know if you want to if you want to know what strategies are effective try to look and see where the enemy is focusing their fire right if you want to know what part of your 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 battle line is the hardest look to see where the enemy is focusing their fire and the executive orders are coming down on 3D printing and cryptocurrency. They're not coming down on the LP or uh, separatist movements in, you know, the free state project or something like that. So it just, again, it just draws out the fact that, that they're threatened by the effective things. Yeah, I mean, yeah agree. very well put. Um, so uh, a thing that I like to, to, you know, what, what you brought up was like, we're not even, you know, far, far into this technology at all. And if you look at even when the, the internet opened up the first 10 years of the internet, they still didn't have, you still couldn't order a pizza online. You still, um, you didn't have any, any of the social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and any of that in the first 10 years of the internet. So I still think we're really new into, um, crypto and uh and 3d printing um in terms of uh you know i've, I've heard you use the, the word uh vertical counter economics and um and uh i think you're kind of if i'm not mistaken i think you're kind of the person who coined that phrase but um but uh i really like the way you use it now now can you explain to our audience exactly what does vertical counter economics mean so um, that wasn't my um, idea originally. Um, this this comes from uh, an article that uh, Per Byland wrote, which I highly recommend to everybody. Um, it's called uh, the Str a strategy for, for pushing back. It's an old article. Per Byland wrote it in like 2004, 2006, or something. Um, and he breaks counter economics down into two strategies. He says there's a vertical strategy and a horizontal strategy. And uh, the, the true strength of counter economics comes from a union of the two different strategies. And I think it's one of the most brilliant, it is the most brilliant exposition of counter economics that I know of. So real quick, vertical counter economics is, is the creation of local production facilities that bypass state regulations. So you can think like, a 3D printer is a great example of a local production facility, right? You don't get any more local production than that. Um, a, a blockchain miner is a, is a local production facility for currency. Um, you know, so on and so forth. A garden is a, is, a, is a local production facility for food and all so on and so forth. Vertical or, or horizontal counter economics, right? That's vertical. The horizontal strategy is just peer to peer voluntary trade. That's all it is. Um, and when you combine the local production facility that bypasses state regulation with unfettered peer to peer trade, you get like this very powerful concept of counter economics. And again, he wrote this in 2006 ish right? This is before Bitcoin was a thing or before 3D printers were a thing. And now look at, look at how this strategy has come to fruition. The, the people are now creating their own currency, right? We're mining Bitcoin cash and then we're using it, we're trading it amongst one another in a way that's extremely disintermediative. We are um, 
doing the same thing with 3D printers, right? You have a 3D printer. Now, let's say you're in a gun-free zone, you start churning out, uh, uh, you know, FGC nines or something like that. Now you're selling them into to your friends and on the black market, right? That is pure counter economics. That's as effective as counter economics gets, and that's a difference between the two strategies, um, vertical and horizontal. But definitely check out that article by uh, Per Byland. Um, it's called the Strategy for for Pushing Back. It's at LouRockwell.com, and I, I intend on making it my pin tweet once this contest is over for a couple of days because I've really been meaning to try to get more people to, to expose it to more and more people. So. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, um, I'm, I, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know it was a, an article, so I have to definitely take a look at that. And, yeah. uh, but, um, but yeah, I've, I've heard you mention it before and, um, it, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I love the way you explain it. It makes a lot of sense. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I said to Per, I said, look, man, I, 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 I've basically, I make a living full time out of, out of like trying to like express your philosophy to the world. You know what I mean? So um, if you're not following at Per Bilan for all the listeners out there, I, I highly recommend it. You're, you'll learn more following Per Bilan about economics than you will taking a normal econ class. And I, I think uh, in the future, he'll, he'll be looked at as one of the, the brighter thinkers of our time. He does the Economics for Entrepreneurs uh, podcast series too, right? Um, I think it's hosted by Hunter Hastings, but he's a frequent guest on there. Oh, okay. Maybe that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I've heard him on there then. That was really good too. Uh, yeah, I, I love Pear. Um, <laughs> this is just me. I just, I have such a hard time sometimes with accents. So like, I can't listen to him like when I'm driving the car, like mowing the lawn when there's like background noise. Um, <laughs> so I have like a challenge listening to him sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean the accent is actually pretty minimal. Um, you I'm, know. I'm just I'm just a dumb American. I just have <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, was there anything else you wanted to go over, Doug? Before we uh, sign off? No, man. This has been a hoot. Cool. Uh, where can everybody find you, Saul? Yeah. Um, I'm on all of your favorite social media platforms, usually just Sally Agarist or at Sally Mayweather. Uh, you can follow my, my main pages on Twitter at Sally Mayweather. I also have a, a meme page on uh, Facebook called Print Guns Not Money. Uh, and I obviously 3D printer go burr.com where you can buy 3D printers for cryptocurrency and 3D printing supplies. And agorathreads.com for uh, libertarian apparel and, uh, you know, accessories and home accessories and stuff like that of course it's all you know available for cryptocurrency so those are my two sites and, and those are that's, that's how you can find me also salvigoras.com is sort of i try to put everything under one roof over there so nice. well, cool i don't i don't see you on float yet but uh ho hopefully you'll be on floats sooner yeah later. yeah i actually i had an issue um making an account that I, it, it finally was ironed out and I, I have to go back and into the whole account creation process. And I'm, I'm, I do intend on doing that soon, but. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're still in beta. So, um, you know, uh, but uh, figured out. yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they just had a, a massive funding. So um, I think they're adding on more, more people to help code and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really look forward to, to float.app in the future as well. Um, yeah, yeah. 
uh, yeah, we usually sign off on a quote, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've got a pretty good one if you, uh, if you got one, so. Sure, yeah. Um, I'll go back to what Konkin said. And really, Konkin's quoting Yoda here when he's talking about agorism. He says, do or do not, there is no try. So that's where the agorist slogan comes from. That's where the action part of the agorist slogan comes from. It's one thing to talk about these things. It's another to live by these principles. So just go out there and behave counter-economically. Nice. Agorist nice is out. Peace.